Welcome to the Wise Birth Radio. We are women, students, and mamas exploring healthy pregnancies, empowered birth, nurtured postpartum, and natural parenting from a holistic, intuitive, and grounded experience. We share knowledge through interviews, stories, and musings. We hope to inspire you to take charge of your childbearing journey for yourself and your family. This show is intended to spark your own curiosity and encourage you to listen to your body, your baby, and your intuition. I'm Mabel. And I'm Sarah. And we are your hosts on Wise Birth Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Wise Birth Radio. I'm here with Sarah today, but we only have one little microphone as we go for this walk, so we're going to be passing it back and forth. Hello. She's here. I'm here. Today's a special day because it snowed. For the very first time, November 1st. Sarah is at the moment 38, possibly, we think, maybe weeks pregnant. It's a little chilly, and we're going for a walk. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, so today we are going to talk a little bit about vegetarian pregnancies. Um, this is a big thing for me. If you followed this podcast, you will know that I was vegetarian my whole life until just about a year ago, actually, when I was six months postpartum and just felt ravenously hungry and like what I was doing wasn't working so I started eating meat Um, and we were doing all the research and making these videos for nutrition in pregnancy for our birth education course Um, and we just wanted to include some perspective for our vegetarian friends and share some tips yeah yeah Um, this is has the potential to be a very triggering, controversial, controversial, mm-hmm. controversial, emotional topic as, mm-hmm. you know, it can, there, it can hold a lot of weight. Um, but I'm going to do my best to share my experience and my practices that I do to keep myself nourished as best as I can without eating animals. I am a lacto, avo lacto Mm -hmm. vegetarian, so, um, but we'll get into the details of that, Mm -hmm. specifically what I eat and don't eat. Um, But yeah, it's definitely, I feel like, Mabel, it's been a winding, Mm -hmm. interesting, um, dance to just hold two sides of the coin I think and yeah I think one reason why this topic can be so tricky is because there are some schools of thought that believe that you know you can't get everything that you need to have, you know, op- absolutely optimal nutrition without eating animals. And then there's other schools of thought that believe that you can. Mm-hmm. And I can't say anything for certain. I can <laughs> only share my experience mm-hmm. and um, and what I've felt and what I've done and yeah, where I'm at thus far. Yeah, I would also like to invite you, not you, Sarah, you listeners, to allow the possibility that this could be simple and that you could choose to eat whatever diet you choose and just allow that to be as nourishing as possible. And 
if you are a vegetarian, if that feels really important to you, then just relax into that and say, these are the choices I'm making and I'm going to do the very best that I can for myself and for my baby. And if you choose not to be a vegetarian or if you are not a vegetarian, then say, these are the choices that I'm making and I'm going to do the best I can for myself and my baby. And people can get very funny with this, I think, and take things really personally if you're making a choice that's different than them. But I think just sort of to state our intention here from the beginning. Um, yeah, just coming back to simplicity and what is working for you. Yeah. Thank you. I think that's a good reminder. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I feel like for me, where I want to start is um, before I got, well, let's see. Let's rewind a little bit. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've, in my life, always had a pretty healthy diet. Um, my mom actually owned a health food store from the time I was, I don't know, a wee, a wee lass, five or something, until I was ten. Anyways, the point being is that health and healthy eating and nutrition was always just a natural part of my life um, and I feel like I was always raised eating pretty healthy food and so I had that as a good foundation um, and I would say however I was never fanatic about it and I became vegetarian a couple years before I became pregnant um, kind of mostly for spiritual reasons. I started living with a community that was really following the yogic path, and that is not part of that. Um, and I didn't really think twice about it. And I feel like when I got pregnant, the biggest thing that I really, that jumped out to me that, um, when I got pregnant for the first time, was that I was, previous to being pregnant, not paying any attention to how much protein I was eating mm -hmm. um, at all. I would eat brown rice and steamed veggies and um, some cheese here and there. And I was actually kind of vegan, now that I'm remembering. <laughs> um, and it seemed fine. I was, yeah. I was pretty thin and I would ride my bike a lot living in the cities. Anyways, <clears throat> so the thing that felt like really in my face when I first got pregnant was like, whoa, I really need to put a lot of effort into where I'm getting my protein. And I have a question. Oh, okay. We had to detangle the microphone for Sarah's scarf. <laughs> Um, that was because of external sources telling you that you needed more protein or because you felt in your body like you needed more protein in this pregnancy? Well, probably both. Um, trying to remember what resources I was accessing at that point because we didn't, I hadn't done midwifery school. I don't think I had discovered indie birth, which mm -hmm. has been really a big source of where I've learned a lot about pregnancy and birth. Um, but I remember reading about pregnancy in Gabriel Cousins' book. I don't 
he's a very famous kind of raw foodist kind of guy, which um, he actually talks a lot about seed oils and things like that, avoiding them. And I remember being like, oh my God, everything has seed oils. What am I going to do? Um, but that could be a good reference because there's some good information in there. But anyways, yeah, I think it was probably from things I was reading and also just feeling insanely hungry. Mm-hmm. I remember at that point it was summertime and my husband and I were in the garden working just like through the forest from where we were living in a tent at the time <laughs> and we were building sheds and we were just I was out all day with him doing stuff and I remember like those first couple of weeks of being pregnant like every hour being like I'm hungry again I'm hungry again <laughs> I'm so hungry, I need to go back to the house. Mm -hmm. And just like that signal was just coming up super strong. Mm -hmm. So I think that was probably the, um, sorry for my my labored breathing here. (laughs) Um, Not labor breathing, just labored. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, Yeah, so that was my body signaling to me that I was needing more, probably not just protein, but everything. And um, I have a distinct memory of my neighbor inviting me over and she was like, do you want a cracker with some butter and jam? And I was like, I haven't eaten butter. I mean, I'm not really doing that. And she was like, just try it. And I remember (laughs) eating one and was like, oh my God, give me another. And I think I had like six rice crackers just like smothered with butter. And I was like, okay, my body really needs that. And then from then on, I really started incorporating dairy. And I only met Sarah after she'd had her second, I think. Pretty sure. And she is like the best butter eater I've ever met in pregnancy and in life in general. The best butter eater, well, thanks. Yep, Sarah taught me that butter is really good on rice. And she taught me that I was not putting enough butter on my toast because it's so much better when there's enough butter. Why skimp on the butter? <laughs> I don't know how you never thought of putting butter on rice. That's just like such a no-brainer. Okay. Anyways, um, yeah. So at that point, I think I really was decided and realized, well, okay, I need to start incorporating more fats in here, in here being my body and my diet. And I think I probably started eating eggs at that point. And, oh yeah, and I think the big thing for me that I was... So, as a vegetarian, some of the main sources of protein are eggs, cheese, tofu, and and legumes. I mean, tofu is a legume, but I just remember feeling a little bit... And nuts and seeds. I remember feeling a little bit daunted, like, oh my god. I'm having to eat beans again and just really having to shift my brain and this I hadn't ever planned meals Mm. I think that's what I'm trying to get at is Mm. like I didn't have to but now I did have to because I knew that it was better to soak the beans I'm like I have to think about what I'm gonna eat tomorrow tonight oh my god I don't want to do that but um so that was a big shift of like really having to plan ahead and do the soaking of the beans, which now is just a no-brainer. But um, yeah, I feel like that was a big step in my evolution. Mm. And and it felt like 
I don't know. It just felt like kind of a pain in the butt. Also, pro tip, soak your beans with a little splash of apple cider vinegar and then cook them with seaweed. Oh, I always forget the apple cider vinegar, but I do always do the seaweed, almost always. And uh, we have a great seaweed. Uh, we love to talk about our seaweed man. His name is Larch. He's in Maine. He's amazing. Pretty sure his website is just the seaweed man. Yeah, he's a super special guy and you can go visit him and his oh. land and his hand-built house and hand-built boats and do a seaweed harvesting apprenticeship with him anyways so yeah beans and seaweed so that was something I also really started to incorporate is seaweed and pretty much every type of legume that I was cooking seaweed is really high in iodine which is hard to get otherwise in a vegetarian pregnancy and necessary High in iodine, among lots of other minerals that I can't name right now, but a lot of them that you, uh, yes, wouldn't, might not get otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah was saying earlier that she needed more fat. Fat is also a really important place to get a lot of your micronutrients. Um, and again, these animal fats, butter, milk, even eggs, which isn't really a fat, but, you know, it's a great opportunity. Yeah. So I feel like probably over the course of my four pregnancies, my diet has, I want to say it's probably improved as I've learned more and I can't remember the specifics except for the, like that story that I just shared. But, um, I think at this point I probably can just go through the things that I'm doing now Mm -hmm. and the things that I feel like are really, really essential um yeah, uh let's see so actually mabel this pregnancy turned me on to the idea of making yolky yolky drinks oh, yolk yeah. like the yolk of an egg what you're saying yolky for <laughs> not yolky yolky <laughs> y-o-l-k-y um and this has been great because eggs are really 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 important to be eating on a vegetarian diet because they are a very high source of choline and DHA, probably the highest that you will get as a vegetarian, which um, work synergistically and are essential for baby brain development and functioning, along with lots of other things. But that's a unique thing about eggs. Yeah, we suggest for pregnant vegetarian women to eat at least three eggs a day. Yeah can be daunting if you're just thinking of like eating four fried eggs in a row yeah exactly which is where the yolky egg has been really helpful for me because the majority of the minerals and stuff is in the yolk yeah and so this is a raw egg yolk that you mix up with some sugar or whatever and then i usually add raw milk to it maybe some vanilla or some golden milk powder um and the egg yolk being raw well, okay, well, first of all, this is a big thing because a lot of sources will tell you, oh, don't eat eggs with runny yolks in pregnancy. Um, first of all, the risk of salmonella poisoning, which is why that's suggested, is so, so, so low. But as always, we say, do your own research, measure your own risks, for me personally and for Sarah, especially because we're getting really good, high-quality, farm-fresh, whatever, whatever eggs. It's not something that we're concerned about. And... Raw egg yolks have an enzyme that helps you to digest and utilize everything that's in the egg that is killed off when it's cooked. So, anyways, raw egg yolk, milk, 
some sugar because that helps to keep it from being like cooked by the milk or the warm stuff when you add it in. And yeah, that's been my favorite sort of pre-breakfast breakfast. Thanks for adding those, all those details. I didn't actually know most of that. I just knew it was good for me. Um, yes, and so that has also been my pre-breakfast breakfast. And as of recently, I've been making, if I don't have milk on hand, I, I've been using black tahini. So I do like two big scoops of black tahini. It's really good. And this is my go-to like in the morning or if I'm going to bed and I'm a little bit hungry, I'll make one of those and it's so satisfying. And if I have milk, I'll do it with milk and mm -hmm. just makes it that much more <coughs> um, nutrient dense. Mm -hmm. There's so, a recipe for Yolki chocolate milk um, on Instagram. This woman named Nicole, whose account is the seed of joy. Um, she just has a bunch of great stuff and also a recipe for this. Yeah, so that's been a really great way for me to incorporate a third egg or a fourth egg because yeah sometimes eating another scrambled egg or fried egg or boiled egg or whatever is like nah, I don't really want that so I don't really taste the egg and yeah so that's the other thing that might sound gross to some people but you really don't taste it it just like makes it rich and creamy and yummy yeah, and then you can use all your, your stored up egg whites to make coconut macaroons. Yeah, I've been really bad about that. I've just been saving them and feeding them to my cats. <laughs> or they just sit in a cup in the fridge and my husband's like, what's with all these egg whites? I also saw someone who uses the egg whites as like a hair rinse. Let's try that. Okay, I gotta get on it. But not with hot water because then you'd end up with scrambled eggs in your hair. Either way, it sounds sticky. <laughs> sounds like a hair mask or hair gel. Yeah, my not my husband. My brother he used to use eggs as gel when he really? was punk. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, yolky egg drinks have been a big addition to my diet this pregnancy. Um, also, so yeah, maybe I'll just go through my day. Sure. So yeah, usually have that. We and also, we could do like an Instagram series where you take pictures of what I eat in a day. It's mm -hmm. so a 30-week, 38-week pregnant vegetarian. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, and then I pretty much have eggs every single morning. Um, sometimes two, sometimes three. And lately I've been doing like scrambled egg because then I can get some milk and some cheese in there. My favorite recently has been eggs scrambled with cottage cheese. Oh yeah, I still haven't done that. It sounds a little weird to me, but I'll try it. <laughs> Anyways, so scrambled eggs with usually some sort of veggies, be it greens or shishito peppers, which we have had an abundance of on our farm this year, or mushrooms, or um, I have this, oh, another little pro tip here. There's a brand, I don't know how... Um, how big this company is so I'm not sure if it's all over the country or where but um they make this fermented seaweed it's it sounds gross seaweed. yeah oh, right, you right, turned right, it right, on yeah. to me yeah it's like kelp sauerkraut which sounds uh -huh. weird but it's really so good, good really good and so if I'm feeling lazy or I don't have greens around or whatever I've been eating that or just any sort of sauerkraut yada yada so yeah scrambled eggs or fried egg some sort of veggie in there and if I have toast around you know sourdough toast mm -hmm. Ezekiel English muffins have like 10 grams of protein oh. which is awesome also 
<coughs> oh, do you want to talk about corn tortillas? Yeah, we'll get there. Um, also, my housemate is really into making sourdough bread. And so if we have, actually, we haven't been making sourdough bread. We've just been feeding our sourdough starter. And then we make flatbreads out of the sourdough, which is really easy and yummy. And you kind of like wrap it up like a tortilla. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's usually breakfast. And... Let's see, I usually, I've been eating breakfast kind of late. Mm-hmm. I've been sleeping in quite Thank a you. bit. Yeah, like 8.30 or 9. Um, and luckily my kids have been kind of sleeping in with me. So I usually don't, if I have my my Yoki drink, then it feels like I'm not finishing breakfast mm-hmm. until like 10.30 or 11, which maybe that's too far. But um, that's usually that's where I end up. So... I usually don't feel hungry um, at lunchtime, like normal lunchtime. Anyways, um, <clears throat> if I'm hungry, I might just have, you know, I've actually been enjoying Brazil nuts. Okay. That's another thing that I've been incorporating. They're high which, in selenium, right? Yes. Which, there was some connection. Mabel sent me this study... I don't remember all the things. That yeah, no, she sent me a study about cholestasis. And there was some oh, that kind of theory that, I can't, I can't, do not quote me on this, but somewhere in that study, they were saying that low levels of selenium might be somehow connected. And I feel like if I remember correctly, you only need to eat like three Brazil nuts a day to get your recommended amount. If that, maybe like two. But I've always hated Brazil nuts, (laughs) but I started liking them, which maybe means that my body needed it. Yeah. I also feel like oftentimes when you buy nuts, if it's not from a really high quality source, they can feel kind of rancid. Yeah. So that could be part of it. Definitely. Definitely. You got good nuts. nuts, You got good nuts. Um, So yeah, for snack, like a handful of nuts or a chunk of cheese or... Some strawberries with mascarpone. Yeah. Or I haven't been feeling smoothies since it's been cold. Uh-huh. But over the summer, I was making smoothies with... See, my smoothie recipe was like blueberry, banana, a scoop of whey protein powder. Which, you know, protein powders may be questionable, but it, I feel like it helped. Um a scoop of Irish moss. Um, so that's like Irish moss gel that you've already created, right? Yeah. So I buy a big bag of Irish moss. I've been getting it from this company called Nutritional Transitions or something like that. We'll link all these things in the show notes. Yeah. But you soak the Irish moss for 24 hours and then blend it up with water. And then you can just keep a jar of the gel in your fridge and it lasts for like three weeks. And... Irish mosses also has lots and lots of minerals. I think like 92 trace minerals or something like that. A lot. So I put some Irish moss in there. Spirulina? I actually didn't do the spirulina. So another, my husband is big into making green powders (laughs) and on and off through our relationship He's gone through phases of being more on top of it than others. But um, 
That was something that he did in the beginning of this pregnancy was he bought a ton of green powder, various different types of green powders, which from various highly nutrient-dense plants, a couple of them alfalfa, nettle, cleavers, moringa, acerola cherry. I know, we didn't put spirulina in there, but Mabel's reminding me that this was... This is one of the ones that um, Lily Nichols really, for whatever reason, Z doesn't like spirulina. Huh. I, I don't was, know. <laughs> I was reading Lily Nichols' recommendations for vegetarian pregnancy, and the first thing she said was eggs. And either the second or third thing that she said was try to eat one third, no, what was it, half a cup yeah. of spirulina every day. Yeah, and Mabel and I are just like, oh excuse me? How are you supposed to, like, who? I don't know. I, like, maybe if you put it in capsules, but that would be, like, 30 capsules. Maybe just put some in your smoothie. Yes. Spirulina's good. <laughs> Point. Anyway, so I would put, like, two heaping spoonfuls of this green powder. And... Oh, color. There's probably something else. I will write the recipe. You put coconut mana in your smoothie for a second, right? When I three? had it. When I had it, I would put coconut mana. Oh, and at some point during the summer... I realized that if I put milk in my smoothie, uh-huh. it makes it taste so good. And then you're getting that much extra of all those goodies. Raw milk, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I'm going to say at cottage cheese. I make smoothies for my partner every day, and I put cottage cheese in it. It's like <coughs> cheesecake, but a smoothie. It's so good. All right, all right, all right. Cottage cheese, berries, some honey, some milk. All right, I'll try. So, yeah, smoothie is a good snack either between breakfast and lunch or lunch and dinner. And then let's see, lunch can be anywhere from, you know, lentil soup, beans and rice. Basically, I have to have some form of legumes pretty much every day. So that could be, yeah, black beans for like tacos or nachos or black bean soup or chili. Now we're getting into cold weather. on the topic of tacos, though, um, I think a very fun fact is that corn tortillas that are nixtamalized, which means that the corn is boiled with lime, maybe, something like that. Cooked with lime, yeah. Cooked with lime. They have um, a high amount of calcium in them. So if you were to be counting, like, we learned about this when we were going through the brewer, dire check- brewer diet checklist for a vegetarian diet. And if you use corn tortillas, that counts as a serving of calcium, which, again, is not super abundant in a vegetarian diet yeah and i also just want to say when it comes to like doing burritos or tacos i have noticed that a lot of the well i don't want to say a lot but some of the you know flour tortilla wraps out there have so many preservatives which i'm very sensitive to and find Mm -hmm. they actually like burn my tongue um so we get this brand of corn tortillas which I think is like La Milpa. I'm amazed that I remembered that. Um, Which, you know, they are corny. (laughs) And like you have to warm them up in the right way for them to be soft. Um, And maybe they're not most people's favorite, but they definitely are a lot cleaner in terms of ingredients and you get that extra calcium. Um, So I definitely try to have those over flour tortillas. I made my own flour tortillas the other day though and they're really yummy. 
that's cool Mm -hmm. it's pretty simple yeah gotta try it all right so yeah some sort of legume um also over the summer i made it really depends on the season but um we had so much arugula and i made this chickpea arugula parmesan salad thing with a bunch of lemon and it was like so fresh and light and tangy and it was delicious yeah i just want to point out two things here first is when you're talking about soups and stuff it's really awesome if you can make like a mineral rich broth you can make it in advance and freeze it in like half gallon jars or something Um, I just made some for Sarah's postpartum time. It has shiitake mushrooms and astragalus and calendula and nettles and what else? Some reishi. I think that was everything. I think there's probably some more things, but I've forgotten. Um, So yeah, there's just like all these little avenues to add more nutrients into your foods. And the other thing that I was going to point out that I think Sarah does so well and is maybe a little easier living on a farm than elsewhere is paying attention to the seasonality of things. And, you know, we are meant to live in nature and that means that things change and we wouldn't have access to the same foods all year round. And our bodies probably don't need all the same foods all year round. So I think that's a great thing to just pay attention to and see if Like, I don't really ever eat salads in the winter. I just do not like it. But when it starts to warm up, I'm like, oh yeah, salad, I forgot about that. Uh All right, so, afternoon. Yeah, afternoon. Um, Yeah, probably, I usually don't like to have legumes or beans, straight up beans, twice (laughs) in one day, because that's just a little too much. But I will do beans and then tofu, which... I don't love tofu, to be honest. Mm. I just don't. But um, and there's some controversy on soy in pregnancy. Right. Yeah. I mean, in general, I think there is. But my personal process with the tofu has been: if it's non-GMO and it's organic, I feel like Asian people have been eating tofu for mm. a long time. And if I'm not eating it, every day day, then I feel okay with it so I usually eat it a couple times a week but yeah it doesn't feel good to me to eat it every day that's just me um but it's very convenient and the kids love it and the kids love it and it's simple and easy and fast and all those things oh do you want to talk about what was that stuff called pumfu yeah so (laughs) this is another story we should definitely do a podcast about my CLO oh, eczema yeah, healing. I totally forgot about that. Anyways, um, when my little guy, CLO, was, who's not so little anymore, was one, he started eating eczema, and I went on this whole special diet and ended up healing it, and it was amazing, and we'll get into the details, but I could not eat any soy, neither could he, and discovered there's this awesome brand that makes tofu, quote unquote, out of pumpkin seeds. And I think that's it. Yeah. Super high. I think it's like 18 grams of protein per serving. They also and made a like pumfu chorizo, which I thought was really yummy. It was really good. Yeah. And I was. You, you got a tofu press so you can make it yourself, right? I did because it's kind of expensive. Yeah. And it's just pumpkin seeds. Yes. And I never actually made it. But um, <laughs> because things cleared up at one point, at a certain point. But um, 
that's a nice also a nice alternative mm-hmm. and so yeah snack time I hope this is not boring people <laughs> snack time the sky is so beautiful right now I just have to say it's like purple and salmon pink clouds together really gorgeous I don't know I feel like my go-to is cheese really cheese and nuts maybe an apple with some almond butter um let's see what's another another nice go-to for snacks pie that you just made made some amazing pumpkin pie with there's some eggs and milk in there and a lot of butter in the crust (laughs) also if I have raw milk around It's just my favorite thing to go to the fridge and chug it out of the jar. (laughs) I don't know why. It just makes me so happy. And I feel like a little kid and I'm like, I don't need a cup. It grosses me out when my partner does it, but I love to do it first. I just love to chug it. And my partner doesn't really like milk, so we don't have to fight over it. However, my kids do. So if they're around, they usually drink a lot of it. But um, yeah, sometimes I feel like if I'm feeling a little hungry, I just go take a couple chugs of milk and holds me up for a little while um so yeah I feel like dinner is usually some I kind of said that but if I had beans maybe I'll have tofu or maybe like a more like cheesy based Mm -hmm. meal like um some stuffed shells with ricotta or I got these raviolis that are pretty high in protein. Maybe if I can like toast some pumpkin seeds and put them on there with some butter. And yeah, some days it's challenging. And I'm like, I don't know what else to eat right now. Mm-hmm. And I can feel a little bit frustrated. Um, and other days it's easier. Mm-hmm. But something I did want to say that I feel made a big difference for me is um there was a period where I was really craving meat in my previous pregnancies and earlier on in this pregnancy which was a whole journey Mm -hmm. but um I decided not to eat meat but I that's when I really started getting more serious about incorporating the green powders Mm -hmm. and like being really strict about it, like every day, making sure I was having two big scoops of green powder at least. And I noticed probably after like three weeks or so of doing that, my cravings for meat really diminished. Mm. And for me, that was kind of a signal that that part of that craving of meat was probably my body needing more of these minerals Mm -hmm. that are so so important for so many reasons but um I felt like I was able to get at least more of them through the green powder Mm -hmm. and that was really helpful for me and but you know it's something I think the thing about being vegetarian is that you need to be really intentional Mm -hmm. and really mindful about making sure you're filling in all of these I don't want to say gaps but like really making sure you're filling up all these nutrient requirements 
through these, yeah. you know, little extra areas, which I feel like there's more things that I do that I can't really remember mm -hmm. right now. I mean, one thing that I don't think you do, but I remember hearing about is a quick protein hack is instead of regular pasta, if you get like lentil pasta or something, which is not the same texture, but it has so much more protein. Yeah, I tried that. <laughs> I tried that when I couldn't eat gluten uh -huh. back in that whole situation. And it's just like so, it's, it's so unsatisfying. Yeah. Ugh, but I guess I could try it. Um... I want to say one more thing about vegetarian diets is in relation to blood sugar. So most vegetarian sources of protein also are carbs. So beans are a great example of that, which is not a bad thing. And I'm not anti-carb in any way, shape or form. But when you are pregnant, you have sort of limited stomach capacity. And often it can be easy to sort of overdo the carbs and not have space left for protein. And so we're, when we're thinking about blood sugar balancing, it's even more important in, pro in blah, 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 vegetarian pregnancies to make sure you're prioritizing protein. Yeah, let's turn it around again. Yeah, I thanks for saying that. And I feel like for me, like pretty much any time I think about what to eat and I go into my kitchen, I'm literally thinking, what's my protein source? Yeah. Which, again, sometimes I can get a little frustrating and old because... Mm -hmm. it's somewhat limited Not however however there you know you can get creative for sure actually there's um this company that makes these seaweed it's soaked sunflower seeds and tahini seasoned ground up and rolled up in a nori roll and then dehydrated so they're the like little chewy crunchy savory sticks it also seems like something that you could make yourself oh totally i've been wanting to make them i was just reminded recently and it's there's a fair amount of protein i think it's definitely more than 10 for mm -hmm. the two of them which you know as a yeah. snack that's that's decent and so yeah i think going back is like it takes it might take a little bit more extra work and preparation mm -hmm. and being creative um and I think that's often why I just go to cheese because yeah. at this point, <clears throat> you know, I don't feel like I have a whole lot of, ah, I could, I could make time. <laughs> I'm just, I haven't been feeling especially inspired mm -hmm. in the kitchen the past year or two. Okay. <laughs> Do you want I, to talk about supplementation? Yeah. So as far as supplements go, um, I actually decided not to take prenatals this pregnancy because I was with Mabel getting really interested in this protocol called the root cause protocol, which I have a pretty basic understanding of, but what I can share is that it is how the minerals function in our body basically mm -hmm. together. And, um, you can check it out. It's definitely really interesting, but they, well, the thing with supplements also is that there's no way to know how much your body is actually mm -hmm. absorbing and I've heard some people say that like up to 90% is not absorbed okay. also taking so many things together at once mm -hmm. can be hard on your liver 
Anyways, I'm not suggesting to not take prenatals. I'm just saying that's why I chose not to. But we are suggesting that if you do take a prenatal, take a really high quality one. Yes, like full well or needed. Mm -hmm. I think those are the two that we recommend. Um, so anyways, I decided not to take prenatals this pregnancy, which is a whole other story <laughs> because a couple of weeks ago I started kind of panicking like, oh my God, what if I'm like missing a whole bunch of nutrients or like, you know, these minerals or vitamins that I really needed. So I feel like I mostly worked through that. But um, the supplements I have decided to take are DHA, choline, B-complex, magnesium, which for most of my pregnancy, I was just doing topical magnesium. So I made my own magnesium lotion, which was helping a lot with my restless legs. Not so much anymore. Now I take an Epsom salt or a magnesium salt bath. Nice. And then I do the magnesium lotion. That and sounds awesome. It's really helping. Do you want to sit here for a sec? Um, and I also decided not to take vitamin D, um, during the summer because that's also something that's not recommended on the root cause protocol. And you're outside. And I'm outside a lot. And that was like my, um, I felt good. Yeah. I just felt good about it. Cause I'm like, I'm. It was, yeah, it was good incentive to go outside and mm -hmm. during the summer I was outside a lot. However, these past couple weeks I decided to start taking the vitamin D again and it is with K2. And I was also taking Shilajit tablets. Mm -hmm. I've run out and I need to order more. <laughs> but I think those were like all the pills mm -hmm. that I was swallowing. And then... Did you mention choline? I did. Um... However, like I was getting to, ideally, all of these nutrients are coming from one's food. And <clears throat> I think that, you know, the Irish moss, the bee pollen, the super green powder, also maca is really a great supplement. Um, not supplement, a good addition. And it can really help balance out your hormones. I didn't do that too much, but it was recommended my... My friend Joel Gazdar, and I think we will be doing a podcast with his wife, mm -hmm. who will probably go deeper into all of these. Um, Do you want to say something about the thing she's doing? Yeah, so she is currently offering a, a course called The Plant Empowered Woman. And yeah, it's all about... Um, finding the most nutrient-dense plant-based foods and they focus they really have a strong focus on minerals mm -hmm. as well which is where um i got a lot of the inspiration for the green powder and yeah they have a lot of amazing experience and knowledge and so we'll be inviting them on the podcast mm -hmm. and let's see is there anything I feel like I'm going to think of things later. Probably. But, yeah, I feel like that's the basic gist. I have some, some concluding remarks. Okay. Um, I liked that when you were talking about breakfast and how you weren't hungry for lunch, I 
think it's just really good to listen to that. And if you do eat something and then you feel hungry like an hour later, maybe think about what you ate, think about how you could revise it to make it a little more nutrient dense and just really listen to your body. Um, I would say to the, not to the detriment, but just listen to yourself over anyone else. Um, and like we said at the beginning, people can have so many opinions and theories about what's best. And ultimately, you are the one responsible for yourself and your baby. And you're the one that gets to make those decisions. Um, what else was I going to say? I don't recall. I was going to say that sometimes people say that it's not possible to have a fully healthy vegetarian pregnancy. Um, and I think that it's silly when people say you can never do anything because everyone is different and everyone can make their own choices. Um, but I think what we do want to stress is that if you're choosing to do this, it's really important to pay attention and to research it and to really look at what you're eating and say, is this sufficient? Do I feel good in my body? Does the baby feel like, like just tuning into the baby, does this feel adequate to the baby? And then in addition to comparing it with whatever resources or research and saying, does this, does this work for me? And I'm here on the other side of the story where I did that and I said, no, this doesn't work for me. And so I made different decisions, whereas Sarah's saying, yeah, this works for me. I can make it happen. And it's all great. Mm -hmm. Make your choices, live your life. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm at a point where I have a pretty good idea where like I can look at a meal and I can mm -hmm. say like, oh, I'm going to feel satisfied or I can look at a meal and eat it and know that in an hour or even 45 minutes, I'm going to be hungry again. And often I'm already thinking like, okay, how can I like make up for that? You know, mm -hmm. maybe I don't have that much room in my belly, but like, how can I make something that's like really going to be packed full mm -hmm. of those nutrients? And yeah. And like I said, I feel like this is a journey and I feel like I'm learning more every time. And oh. one more thing is that this doesn't just end after pregnancy and that you actually need even more calories and more nutrients for breastfeeding. So don't think that, oh, I'm about to be done eating all this food once the baby comes because you're about to need more food. And that sounded sort of negative, but <laughs> it can be great. You need more food. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, definitely. That's That's been a process for me of... Just sometimes it can feel like a chore, which I think is probably true for people who aren't vegetarian also. Just knowing that like, wow, this is so important and at least it is for us. And it's not something that I want to skip out on. Mm -hmm. um, and really, maybe I can rephrase that in like, wow, what a, a opportunity we have to nourish ourselves well and how honored we are to have the knowledge and the information and the resources to do that. So maybe that's a better, a better place to be standing, um, <clears throat> which is true. I do feel that. And yes, second to what Mabel said, it does not stop once the baby is out. It continues for quite a while. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm getting the getting good practice and gathering good information. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I do feel like there's a couple of things that I forgot, but we will have 
lots of resources with the mm-hmm. supplements and the superfoods and the seaweed and the bee pollen that, w- that I get because we also get the oh. bee pollen from an amazing source. It is not local, but it is incredible. Oh, yeah, I like to just have handfuls of it. Well, yeah. Let's go eat some bee pollen. Okay, we're going to go eat some <laughs> bee pollen and warm up because it is getting mm-hmm. chilly out here. But um, hope that that was helpful and would love any comments or questions and to continue the conversation. And yeah, just <clears throat> again, what Mabel said, inviting you all to tune in and listen and trust whatever choices you choose to make. Mm-hmm. And yeah, know that doing your best is the best that you can do. And you can always change your mind. And you can always change your mind. I love that we like what the other one has to say and want to repeat it. Because I was going to say, well, I would like to repeat what Sarah said. Just to conclude it as, again, this sort of reframe of what a blessing it is that we get to provide our children with the base nutrients for their lives. Like, we get to start their lives off with this high level of nourishment. And that's so amazing. And what an awesome gift for them. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Nice walking with you. Thanks, Mabel.